We are five days away from fundamentally transforming the United States of America. You know, this Marxism-Leninism ideology is being pumped into the soft heads of, of, of at least three generations of American students. America first. You could put half of Trump supporters into what I call the basket of deplorables. Change the perception of reality of every American to such an extent that despite of the abundance of information, no one is able to come to sensible conclusions. For too long, a small group in our nation's capital has reaped the rewards of government while the people have borne the cost. The racist, sexist, homophobic, xenophobic. Hey guys, I want to do a special edition on our urgent education. I want to approach or discuss some uh, headlines that you might not be aware of. Um, it's really hard to get information on the first headline that I want to t tackle, and that's what has happened in Brazil. Uh, in Brazil, there are groups that are working to turn all of that area into a socialist country. So you have Venezuela, which the group was very successful in. Uh, now they have targeted Brazil. In Brazil, Bolsonaro was kind of like Trump here. He's uh, populist. He's um, definitely connected to the, the working people, the Brazilian people, and, and freedom-loving. He's also a Christian, a spirit-filled Christian. And when he first ran... Obama had a team down there that was, um, I think Soros funded, uh, trying to keep him out of office. Uh, we're not supposed to interfere with elections. Um, this is straight from, uh, Bolsonaro. And then in this one, they were able to succeed. So what happened is, I think his name's Lulu. I mean, that right there should be a problem. But anyway, he was in prison for basically corruption and a corrupt Brazilian Supreme Court let him out so that he could run against Bolsonaro. And then they also went to electronic voting. And the problem now, there's a little bit of some confusion on, do they have any paper ballots at all or is it all electronic? Um, I've heard either way. I've heard that it's all electronic and basically the same thing happened there that we saw in 2020, and that is, you know, Bolsonaro's winning, and then all of a sudden there is a spike, and then he's no longer winning. And people that keep denying that something occurred, it's amazing. You literally can look at the data. We've had people testify. I mean, we've had, you know, super, super smart people, mathematicians, etc. And uh, so anyway, the same thing happened there, and the Brazilian people are not having it. In fact, if you tried to say or discuss Lulu's past criminal behavior, you would be hit with fines or arrest. So already there was this movement within the court systems and some of the government officials to silence free speech and then get their guy in. China is closely tied with this work. It's part of their long-term strategy 
on bringing down uh, the American or the United States. So if you're surrounded by people that are bought and paid for in Canada and you're surrounded by people that are bought and paid for uh, in Central and South America, we're like right in between. And that's part of their plan. In fact, there's been some illegal police stations in in Canada that are China ran. And I think they finally dealt with them, but there's just a lot of money going around to get specific people in office so that they can fulfill their goal. Now, you've got, of course, Biden here in office, and they call him China Joe for a reason. So China is definitely messing with our elections. I would actually say probably more so than Russia. Um, they have a plan. They want to move us to communists. They want to weaken us because if we are no longer a superpower, there's nothing stopping them. So watch Brazil if you can find any news on it. I mean, it's almost impossible. Um, I use Neva.com, N-E-E-N-E-E-V-A.com, uh, to get some legitimate search searches going because Google is so biased and also owned dominantly by China. Uh, the, uh, the military likes Bolsonaro, uh, and the people are demanding that this be fixed. But if it's true that their machines are all electronic and there's no paper ballots, there's no way to fix it. So the only way he'd be able to fix it is to put enough pressure on the, um, fake president and then the people that are supporting him and, and get them out. So it basically be a military uh, coup there. I'm not sure if he'll do that. That's what's going on in China. Also, I don't know if you guys have heard this. Um, the, the Biden administration, the DOJ are weaponizing the alphabet agencies against people that dispute them. Uh, they're, um, labeling Republicans as extremists and that's on purpose. They're doing it on purpose because once that went out, then it gave the FBI, the DOJ authority to start going after people that they deem as uh, terrorists. And my son had sent me, let me see if I can pull this up for you guys. You know, one of the things that won the Revolutionary War was the Black Robe Regiment. Excuse me. And I've talked a little bit about that and how, goodness, I just had some soda and I'm having a rough time here. And I've talked about that um, a little bit in the past that the English called um, in a you know form of derision the Black Robe Regiment. They viewed those as the um, clergy that prepared the people for rev- uh, revolution. Uh, George Washington tried three times to get an army. It didn't work. When he finally went to the church and he sought help, all of a sudden he had an army and we were able uh, to fight. Well, um, sadly, we're now turning into tools of the enemy. I mean, the government. It, well, maybe the enemy too, as far as supernatural enemy. Um, but this was written May 24th, 2006. And I have it on my Facebook page, Secret FEMA Plan to Use Pastors as Pacifiers in Preparation for Martial Law. And so a pastor basically blew the whistle on a FEMA program that was training pastors and other religious representatives to become secret police enforcers that teach their congregations to uh, obey the government based on Romans 13, which I saw taken out of context, the entire COVID situation. People would quote that. I'm like, that's not what it means. 
and we need to understand that something bigger is happening here and but Christians for the good of people just bought into it the majority of them and shut their churches down etc cetera, etc cetera. and so it looks like they've actually done a good job of getting pastors to the point where they'll be the tools of the federal government uh, they are teaching their congregations to obey the government in preparation for a declaration of martial law property and firearm uh, seizures and forced relocation and so this pastor goes forward because he was in some of the training and the first directive was for pastors to teach their congregations Roman 13, the often taken out of context passage that was used by Hitler to hoodwink uh, Christians into supporting him. And then it was related to, uh, to the pastors that quarantines, martial law, and forced relocation were a problem for state authorities due to the cowboy mentality of citizens because America's, Americans value freedom. Uh, standing up for their property, their Second Amendment rights, as well as farmers. They'll defend their crops from seizure. And uh, so pastors need to preach subservience to their congregations to prepare them uh, for the future. Now, we know that this nationwide initiative is actually um, uh, modeled after Russia, the Soviet model, where churches were being systematically infiltrated by government officials um, to use as conduit, uh, conduits for martial law training, etc. Now, they've also, um, let's see, they've been able to get 1,300 counties uh, already on board, and they're stressing that this is for their own good. And this falls under the umbrella of the NVOAD program. And so it's like a peer-to-peer. So you get the pastors on board, and then they go and teach their congregations, uh, which some might think that that's good, that you want uh, people protected. I'm sure it's presented in a wonderful way, not in a authoritarian way. Now, um, this actually occurred after Hurricane Katrina. In New Orleans um, so basically they um, let me find this here um, they did forced relocation and gun confiscation after uh, Hurricane Katrina and so there's you know training manuals that are given and just different things but in a Virginia training manual State employees recognize terrorist lists, anti-government property rights activists as terrorists. And part of the paraphernalia that labels you a terrorist are binoculars, video cameras, pads, and notebooks. Um, after 9-11, the Phoenix FBI manual uh, that went to federal employees at the end of the Clinton term uh, caused waves after it was revealed that potential terrorists included, get this, and, and I remember hearing about this, Defenders of the United States Constitution against the federal government and the UN who make numerous references to the U.S. Constitution. That's considered a terrorist. Uh, so the list goes on and on and on. Al- almanacs are considered terrorist uh, propaganda. Uh, then we also have Homeland Security enlist clergy to quell uh, public unrest if martial laws ever declared. This is from 2007. What's interesting is when you read this, uh, article and the other one, it is in response to obviously nuclear war, anything like that, but also um, pandemics. And I have said from the beginning, this pandemic was a test. 
And I've downloaded, I have it on my computer, the Rockefeller paper from 2010 that basically outlined and named the people that were doing worst case scenarios with a pandemic. And they are all the people that were involved in this one. And it has gone according to plan, except with a few hiccups. So uh, clergy should not be working for the government. Clergy should be training their people in the word of God because it was clergy that helped form this nation. And it's going to be the people of God that saved this nation. Another headline that I want you guys to pay attention to, and it's kind of disappeared, um, but it's an interesting deal. Award-winning journalist missing since FBI sees classified documents in home raid. This was October 19th, 2022. So it was last month, about, what, three weeks ago. An Emmy award-winning NBC journalist, um, he broke several high-profile national security and terror, uh, terrorism-related stories. Um, he hasn't worked for uh, NBC for a while, if it's... Um, if I'm correct, but his name's James Gordon Meek. He's a 52-year-old. He's a producer of Hulu's acclaimed documentary 3212 Redacted. He has not been seen in public since the FBI raided his penthouse apartment in Arlington, Virginia. Uh, now, I guess they're saying that there was some classified information on his computer, but he's a journalist. So that's actually protected. Um or he wasn't aware, um, is what his attorney is saying. But, um, the attorney told Rolling Stones, Rolling Stone, if such documents exist as claimed, this would have been within the scope of his long career as an investigative journalist co- covering government wrongdoing. Now, there was a two, now he exposed a 2017, uh, pentagram, pentagram, pentagon cover up in the deaths of a U.S. serviceman over in Niger, and that served the basis of the Hulu documentary. Uh, also, um, let's see. Oh, I'm sorry, it was ABC News. Okay, the last post was on April 27th, so he was raided uh, in October, but his last public post was um, facts. Actually, it started a long time ago. We learned this between 2014 and 2022, not just now. It was an eight-year lab experiment on Russia, Russian TTPs, on EW, on everything. This is why Ukrainians, with our advised assist, are doing so well. ASOs and IC and UW uh, communities, we learned a blank ton. So that was the last um, tweet. And then when he was with ABC, he abrupted, he abruptly resigned and he hadn't worked for them for months at the time. Phone calls have gone unanswered. Um, the tweet thing had to do with Ukraine, which I think that thing stinks to high heaven. Uh, but they raided his home on the top floor of an apartment complex and it lasted about 10 minutes. The warrant was approved by a federal magistrate judge in the Virginia Eastern District Court. Well, last year, Biden put in a a, a policy that prohibited federal investigators from seizing journalist records without authorization from the deputy attorney general. So if they got a hold of it, they would have had to have gotten permission from Lisa uh, Monaco. Um, So his apartment is vacant. They don't know where he is. 
ABC News says that he has dropped off the face of the earth. So I don't know if he is uh, in hiding. Uh, it's interesting. But the final headline that I wanted to um, get into is I wanted to go back to China. Communist China's sprawling plan to infiltrate American college campuses. So this has been going on for a while. And, you know, like I always tell people, you've got those that are in the know and then you have the useful idiots. The useful idiots is not a term I've come up with. It's a term that Saul Alinsky used in his Rules for Rebels, which he is a socialist or was a socialist. He dedicated his book to Lucifer, the first rebel. And he is also a personal mentor to Clinton and other um, elites and people that really just hate this country and they're in it for themselves. Uh, but the useful idiots term refers to those that are being played by elites that know what's going on. And so when you look at the state of our college campuses where they began, a lot of them for the instruction uh, of ministers to go out and preach the gospels, this was gospel, this was Harvard, Princeton, Yale, all of them were started for that purpose. And then they began to lose their purpose, which is why you always have to visit it. And now they're just hotbeds for woke ideology, et cetera, et cetera. Like I always tell people, the crazies from the 60s and 70s are now educating their children. They were very smart in what they infiltrated. So they're ramping up efforts to gain access to valuable research in the minds of the next generation of America's thought leaders, advocates, and uh, experts. So America's college, college's ties to China have drawn heightened scrutiny in recent years, in particular over Beijing-funded Confucius Institutes that have been criticized for spreading CCP propaganda and stifling academic freedom, and the revelation that universities receive nearly $1.5 billion in gifts and contracts from China from 2014 to 2020. So they're buying influence in our college campuses. Uh, the CCP sees the openness of our leading universities as a weapon that it can turn against us, according to John Metz, uh, president of the Athenai Institute, a student-founded nonprofit focused on removing CCP influences from China campuses. So they're using espionage. They're using financial influences over universities con to control the di discourse, to control what is taught, to control um, groupthink, etc. Now, it says, uh, this is from the Epoch Times, Chinese influence operations targeting universities are but one aspect of the CCP's global efforts to subvert all aspects of Western society to benefit the regime. They want to overtake America as the global superpower. And then you also have the Davos group that used to have on their website that they had to remove America from being a superpower in order to further their goals. So you know there has to be a partnership between the two. Um, but they're targeting young people because they believe it'll be a next generation. At the beginning of uh, the podcast, We the Deplorables, uh, and I've not done really a We the Deplorables for a while. I've been doing most of it here. In fact, I probably need to get my introductions and all that uh, in there. But what's interesting is one of the sound bites I included in the introduction is from a Russian defector who described Russia's goal of infiltrating society, especially the young people, and turning their minds toward uh, socialism under the guise of social justice, etc. And one of the things that he said that was very chilling is he said it's working better than we thought. 
Um, they also silence dissidents, dissidents and things like that. Um, so we need to definitely be on the lookout for that. Um, let's see. There's some Chinese students uh, that are CCP uh, operatives. Confucius Institutes, Beijing-funded London language centers, criticized as conduits of propaganda, have drawn considerable pushback in recent years, which means that 104 of the 118 have been closed down. But as of June, the National Association of Scholars said that many of these have simply resulted in them rebranding the programs. So we've got to be careful with that. They're also um, stealing our research and technology from American universities. So, again, I just think that um, China is the greatest threat to us, uh, and we're just allowing them to continue to run all over us and to steal from us and to educate and brainwash our children. Uh, okay, so to finish, I, you know, it, it's election night, and there's been a lot of, you know, the, the last two elections especially, there's been a lot of discussion on the Electoral College. Why do we still have the Electoral College? Why don't we get rid of the Electoral College? It's an ancient, archaic practice and, um, and, and go to popular vote or national pop, popular vote, which is NVP or NPV. And I just wanted to try to find a little scratch over here or itch. So every president is actually elected in December. Uh, not November. And in uh, Article 2, uh, Section 1, Clause 2 and 3, along with the 12th Amendment, the presidents are to be elected actually by the state's electors. Uh, and they choose the president based on the qualities of the president that best suits the values and qualities of the state. Then, on January 6th, the electors' votes are tallied and then the president wins by 270 votes or above. The popular vote guides the electors. Okay. So they, they, they take our vote and they use it as data on what the states, the person the states want to best represent America as a whole. Now, the reason that the founding fathers set this up is they felt it was the only way to protect state sovereignty. Uh, because if you have popular vote, then you're going to have a president um, that will basically be on the individuals, not the states. And then every other state would have to give up their rights to mob rule. Uh, and that means the most dense states would actually be picking the president all the time. Uh, and so we would have, you know, New York and California and other places uh, that are very populated deciding who our president is. And a lot of us that are not in those well-populated states would not be equally represented. So, um, you know, California, Texas, New York, Florida, they would um, definitely have the most influence on the president. Also, that would then shift the, the focus of the president from all the states to just those states that he wants to please so that he can get elected again. And so it would disenfranchise every other state and every other person in the United States. Um, so basically the president would be moved to a very few designing uh, and active men, according to Charles Pickney. 
So I've got this handy-dandy little electoral college um, printout from libertyfirstuniversity.com. And it's a did you know, the process of the electoral college was established to ensure that the president of these United States would accurately represent the union as a whole, not favoring certain states while ignoring others. So the office of president, contrary to popular belief, was never designed ever to be a representative of individual citizens. He is a representative of the collective interests of the states. Okay. Uh, the office of the president was established to be the voice to foreign countries on behalf of the collective states, not a representative of the people. So this is part of the treaty process um, that makes contractual agreements with foreign um, uh, governments in the states. So the president and the Senate ensure that each state's interests are represented equally in matters of war, peace, and foreign commerce. So actually, the the federal government's role is to protect and secure our rights while at the same time doing foreign matters. Like the only time that the president is considered the, um, uh, what is it, the uh, chief, oh my goodness, what is it? Um, Let's see. Oh, goodness, the military chief. What is the phrase I'm looking for? Anyway, the only time he's supposed to be the chief commander, I guess you would say, of our armed forces is if there's a declaration of war. Other than that, he's uh, a peaceful president. So a lot of people don't know that either. The popular vote for president that takes place within the state is to guide and direct the electors in their um, choice of president. Now, if we go to a national popular vote, uh, the legislation mandates that has been proposed that each state submits the popular choice regardless of whether that candidate best represents the interests and principles of the people of the state. The individual states become completely irrelevant in the processes of the federal government. The pres- president would no longer be required to ensure all states' interests are represented in matters of foreign affairs. So that means like, let's say China wants to pour a bunch of money into California. Well, if the president wants that to happen, they would be able to do that. So California would get enriched, but other states might suffer, or it could actually open us up to uh, some security issues because of that. But if they want it, the president's going to please the state that got them in, et cetera, et cetera. So the president, under a national popular vote, would no longer be required to ensure all states' interests were represented in matters of foreign affairs. And the president's only concern throughout the entire four years of his terms would be to make sure the select few states with the greatest voting population were happy and pleased with the execution of power. And then finally, the national popular vote would ensure that the people themselves would be silenced. So every presidential election would be chosen by the voters of a few states, and these few states would grow and maintain their voting power. NPV is not greater representation, it's less, and it only reflects the voice of the majority. So that's why we have an electoral college. That's why it's so important. And that's why we need to resist uh, ending it. And please share this video. Um, let's get the word out on some of the headlines. Uh, pray for the, the, these things and also the electoral college. Now, I probably will do another urgent education this week. But I felt like with the election and some of the headlines, uh, we would do a special edition. I do have plans tomorrow to do the Daniel Company training. Uh, So hopefully I will see you then. 
And um, hopefully we see some good results tonight with this election and that it's not stolen. Have a good night. Small is the new big. God is shifting from the current church structure back to his original intent and design, the ecclesia. The ecclesia is the original word that was used when Jesus was describing that he would build his church and the gates of hell would not prevail against it in Matthew 16, 18. In fact, most of the time when you see church, it's actually ecclesia. The ecclesia is his ruling government on earth made up of two or more. It's a mobile, organic community, not a system. If you felt like a square peg trying to fit in a round hole, or you know there's more, this training might be for you. If you know that God is moving in the marketplace and you want to be equipped to partner with him, this training is for you. If you understand that the call is to disciple nations, you must be equipped with this training. Go to churchshift.me. That is churchshift.me.